During my volunteer work as a domestic violence resource advocate for a local police department, I was gifted a calendar by a boss, a boss that I admired. I mean, I just always stood in awe of her, and she gifted this out of the kindness of her heart. The calendar had one encouraging thought for every day of the year. It included some weird encouragements that were pretty nebulous. For example, like it would say, experience joy in detachment, or live in yes, or enjoy your natural flow. You know, and I'm like, okay, what does that even mean? But okay, (laughs) I can live with that. Then there would be these encouragements, quote unquote, that were entirely poisonous, like recognize yourself as divine, or you decide what is real. When we make gods of ourselves, our souls become deformed by self-absorption, and we are unable to meet our full potential of maturity in Christ, as Romans 6.1 refers to. Mark, what is moral relativism? It's the whole idea that there's no absolute right or wrong, and that each person gets to choose their own truth. It really comes down to the following two choices. Either either you conform your desires or feelings to truth, which I think for centuries most people have done. The truth is out there, and I need to conform my desire to that truth. Now we live in a world where the truth has to conform to my desires, which really is the ultimate expression of selfishness, where instead of facing up to reality, rather, I get to determine reality based on what I want to do at any given moment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's illogical to think that in a universe as mathematically mind-boggling and artistic as ours, where every day the laws of nature are so predictable that we can send people into space and everyone agrees on gravity and based on physical laws has agreed on the standards of even like weights and measurements because of all of our acknowledging truth in the physical world, we're able to trade fairly You know, no one says like, oh, what's a pound to you? Or how long do you feel in inches? If the meaning of life is relational, the creator of the universe would put into place moral laws to govern those relationships, just as he has put into the universe physical laws resulting in life, peace, and beauty. The downsides of this idea that my truth and your truth are not the same. Run into a lot of people that made a commitment to someone in marriage and then said, uh, God would not want me to be unhappy. And then they went out and ignored their commitment. And everybody else all of a sudden had to be unhappy Yeah. <laughs> in order for them to be happy. Because your feelings do change. Feelings are great liars. Even the book of Proverbs talks about that. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. Proverbs 16:25, And so, yeah, at this given moment, but what are you going to feel moments down the road? Also, I tend to always find that when we're arguing that my truth is different from your truth, those truths always tend to collide at some point in reality. Because what sort of world are we going to have if everyone is making up their own truths? Because those things are going to collide. Right. 
like if every person applied the morality of the New Testament, I mean, here's a book that has proven to be true by pre-scientific foreknowledge. And I mean, like it said that the earth is a circle thousands of years before Christopher Columbus even sailed. You know, it says like he hangs the earth on nothing long before we can prove that with science. And so those are the reasons why people say, you know what, I'm going to live by the morality of scripture. If everyone did that, that would basically dissolve in one generation every sexually transmitted disease. It would remove cruelty, addictions, drunk driving, stealing, laziness, murder, violence, adultery, divorce, lying, greed, rape. I mean, to the degree that we apply the morality in this book is to the degree that every social and personal problem evaporates. I mean, crime would disappear. The healthcare system would be unburdened by the financial strain, you know, that it experiences solving a lot of diseases that are propagated because of not living according to that moral standard. The internet would suddenly be safe. Prisons would be emptied. Children would be cherished. The earth would be kindly stewarded. Our national budget would be freed from the financial costs of created by social problems, all because we didn't choose the scriptures as our moral standard. So a good example of that is in the book of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25. It said every man did what was right in his own eyes. And that period of time in Bible history is like one of the darkest periods of time. And so I think you've kind of noted that since about the 1960s, we've had this movement where kind of everyone's making up the rules that they want to follow. And as a result, we have not developed a better society. We have not developed a more unified and peaceful society. All the factors, whether it's divorce uh, and uh, the downgrading of marriage, whether it's people not keeping their word, crime, etc., drug addiction, mental illness, all those things have gone through the roof. And so that would be a good way to judge, like, what's the credibility of this? Well, Jesus said, by your fruits, you will know them. So this idea that my truth is not your truth and I get to decide my own truth. What are the fruits of that in the last 50 years in the world? And I think we'll see the fruits are pretty bad. Okay. But it's interesting in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Mm. So we need to understand something here. And that is that it sounds rather innocent. Hey, I get to decide my own truth for me. The trouble is, though, you end up deciding truth for other people. Instead of letting God say, here's the truth, because God's the creator. God knows what is true and right, etc. If you're the one making up the rules, you're never going to limit those rules just to yourself. I think we see this in a good example of abortion. There may be a number of people that feel that abortion is okay. That would argue there's no absolute truth, but they would equally argue that abortion is an absolute and it needs to be absolutely legal and it needs to be codified in law, and that baby has really no choice of its own. So there's a good example of where you start out saying, well, I'm going to decide truth for me, but you really do end up deciding truth for other people at the same time. Well, and maybe another example is that in other religions, the truth is the the best course of action is to slam my airplane into the World Trade Center. So yeah, the day that someone's 
truth said that was the right thing to do, that changed a lot of options for everybody else present that day. Absolutely. That, that's where eventually somebody else's truth always ends up colliding with your world. I wanted to take a couple, look at a couple of things here. Mm-hmm. The idea that there are no absolutes, really, there's no way that you can consistently hold that position. Because the moment a person says there's no absolute truth, the next question is, are you absolutely sure? Yeah. Are, did you just state an absolute truth when you said there is no absolute truth? That sounds really absolute. Circular reasoning? Yes. Also, if there's no such thing as absolute evil, what we need to understand, also, there's no such thing as absolute good. Mm-hmm. So those two things mm-hmm. go together. Some people will say, well, everyone's different. Uh, everyone comes from a different background. And so we have all these different views of morality. That's not really true either. C.S. Lewis made a good point. Think of a country where people were admired for running away in battle or where a man felt proud of double-crossing all the people who had been kindness to him. You might as well try to imagine a country where two and two made five. Mm. You do have cultures that have a few different rules, but for the most part, there is a common morality that goes all the way back to the earliest periods of time that runs through history. Courage typically has always been admired and cowardice has not been looked upon in a favorable light. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honesty, I think would probably fit in that as well. Yeah. Honesty, diligence, hard work, keeping your word, those things, self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice has always been admired. Typically, there are no no cultures that admire selfishness. Something else that I wanted to kind of point out here as well, it's interesting that, as we noted, people's inconsistency. Uh, Karl Marx will really push back against what would be considered traditional morality or Bible morality. But at the same time, he spends long sections in his writings exposing what he considers the injustices of capitalism And you kind of want to say, okay, well, which way is it? You know, on the one hand, you're arguing there are no absolutes, but you are also arguing that there's such a thing as justice and injustice. What determines that? Mm -hmm. You will know it by its fruit. Even when it comes to economics, which economic system causes people to starve to death and which causes the most prosperous nation the country, the world has ever known. Something else that I wanted to notice here, and this is from C.S. Lewis, a lot of people out there complain about the injustice in the world, and maybe they think that that means that there's no God, or that if there was a good God, an all-powerful God, he would get rid of all those injustices. But my question to you is, why does injustice bother you? If we're just a product of evolution, injustice should not bother us. Genocide should not bother us. Racism should not bother us. Rape should not bother us. Child abuse should not bother us. None of those things should should bother us if we're just a product of evolution. The fact that all those things do bother us indicates is a strong proof that we're creating in, in the image of God, Genesis 1.26. And that we can see that those things clearly are wrong and that they are evil. Lewis said, how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. And so if you see something and say, well, that's not fair, that's not right, bingo. That's an indication you're made in God's image. Because what you're saying is 
that you have an idea of the straight line, the way things should be, the way things that are good and right. So we believe in God, among other reasons, because something cannot come from nothing. And really, God is the only explanation for a creation as complex and as beautiful as the one that come into all five of our senses every day. And we believe that the Bible is God's perfectly inspired word and his direction, including what he says on morality. Mark, why do we believe that the Bible actually came from God in a nutshell? Well, in a nutshell, we would have pre-scientific foreknowledge. The Bible mentions scientific truths long before man with this technology arrived at them. Earth is a circle, Isaiah 40, 22. God suspends the earth on nothing in the book of Job, chapter 26. The laws of thermodynamics, as in Genesis 2, verse 1. The law of biogenesis, life produces after its kind. I would say also the category of fulfilled prophecy. We have prophecies in the Bible that mention, for example, Jesus, centuries or hundreds of years before he was born and give his life in detail. Also, it has the highest moral standard known to man, and the book that sums up the best moral teachings of all time is best explained as God's book. That would just be a nutshell. Thank you for that. So what point would you bring up next in terms of moral relativity? A couple of things I would note is that we do need an objective standard. Feelings are great liars. Feelings come and go. And so we're told to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Secondly, God is the creator and we're not. So it sounds like a lot better idea to look at the owner's manual. Right. We're limited and fallible. And so if I do come up with my own truth, it's going to be very temporary. It's going to come and go with my feelings. I may alter it. And I am going to impose it upon other people, even though I claim I might not ever do that. You will impose your truth on other people. And so someone's truth will prevail. Someone's truth will be the law of the land. I'd rather the creator's truth be the law of the land than a finite, infallible man's truth who has an axe to grind. Go back to history and look at the example of people that jettisoned Bible truth or Bible morality. Just look at the people that did that and look at the people that did that and gained power. You will find that people that that rejected traditional or Bible morality, you know, truth determined by scripture and attained power, you will find that they did not use that power in a benevolent manner. Mm-hmm. You will typically find that what they did is they oppressed people at the end of the day and did a tremendous amount of harm. So who would you cite throughout history where we see this time and again? You would see this with Hitler. You would see with Marx and other communist leaders. You would see it with various emperors. You will see. Well, you would see this in various political causes that are divorced from Bible truth. You would see. I think you would see that in different movements today. You would see that in the abortion movement. That when you tell them, could we just limit it? Could we just kind of have a law that if there's a heartbeat, no abortion? And they go, no. Mm-hmm. Or can we just have a law that if they're, you know, the mo- mother's six, seven, eight months along, that child is obviously fully formed. We know that by 
right ultrasound, that child can feel pain. It is a child. Can we just kind of limit abortion to things far below that? And that's right there saying that all of a sudden now they are imposing their worldview on everybody else. And also nobody else has any, any rights. Now. So you might take a look at the Gulag Archipelago which basically chronicles um, the lack of freedom that there was in communism and that how communism, which came up with its own truth, enforced that upon everybody else, made everyone a spy, even consumed its most loyal supporters because in a man-made system, truth is always evolving. And if you don't keep up, you're left behind. And as a result, at the end of the 20th century, 100 million people are dead. As the result of someone who did not believe in God and God's absolute truths. And came up with their own and enforced it upon other people. Deadly. So that's why we make podcasts is that we are wanting to bring the best out in our culture. We want to be of influence to our country in choosing to walk by the moral standards that have proven for thousands of years to promote life and peace and reduce the amount of chaos in this existence. So just remember, there will always be truth out there. The question is, Will it be God's truth or the truth that man is making up on the fly? There will always be right and wrong. Will it be right and wrong given by the creator that fits us as his creation? Or will it be right and wrong that is always changing and is brutal and is selfish, etc.? Someone will make the rules. Mm-hmm. Someone will make the rules. I'm going to let the creator make the rules. And so finally, when you actually do run into someone who says that there are no absolutes, Take a quick look at the difference between what they do and what they say. They may say there's no such thing as absolute truth. They may say that there are no absolutes. But look at what they do. And what you'll find is they have their own set of selective, very selective absolutes that they want to enforce on you. Thank you for joining us today on this discussion of moral relativism, and we hope you'll join us next time on Nomads, you and I.